Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey guys, welcome to this week's Roundup. First of all, I just got to say thank you to everybody that showed up last Wednesday. I had an absolutely amazing time. That was probably the best show I played in years. And just a small crowd, but very cool. And for a Wednesday night, you know, for an indie band, it was, it was a good crowd. Really appreciate everybody coming. Bunch of gamer guys, too. Uh, so thank you very much again. Uh, also, this week, I have an interview with Evan Amos and then a whole bunch of uh, news to talk about and some cool Q&A. So let's jump right into it. The company 8BitDo just announced that they'll be releasing another Bluetooth controller. This one is N64 style, so basically it looks exactly like an N64 controller, it's just Bluetooth. This will be released on October 25th for $50, and for some reason it's not on their website at all, it's only on Amazon, and it looks like they're partnering with Retrobit to make it. So I'll leave an Amazon link in the description, and um, I'll probably end up getting one on October 25th when it's released, just to see how it works. 8BitDo also just launched a Kickstarter for a controller that's geared towards the old Apple II computers. So it's basically their Nest 30 Pro controller, but with the Apple rainbow colors on it, with a neat little Apple II stand that comes with it. And they also have a retro receiver, so one of their Bluetooth receivers, that's designed to be used with the old Apple II computers, so you'd be able to actually use this Bluetooth controller on it. And they've already reached funding, so it's definitely going to become a product, but it's pretty neat to see, but I don't really have any of those old Apple computers, so I'm not sure uh, I'm not sure how big a market this is for, but at least it's funded, so good for them. And uh, I'll leave the Kickstarter in the description as well. An unreleased SNES game called Shadowhawk just had its ROM dumped and released on the internet. And there's actually a really cool story that goes behind it. SNESCentral.com kind of covered the whole thing, and I'll post a link to that in the description. But the basis was it was a game based on a comic book, and they couldn't find a publisher, so the game kind of got buried. And eventually a ROM kind of surfaced but wasn't shared. So um, somebody went in and even hacked it to kind of improve on the gameplay because I guess there were some issues with it. And then it eventually ended up at Rose Colored Gaming, who then tried to sell a bunch of repros, and then I guess the original developer of the game tried to threaten him with legal action. Which is kind of a weird thing to do. I mean, you know, the retro gaming community is small and we try to take care of each other. So if I personally owned a repro shop, I would release the ROM for anybody to download and then also sell the repros of it for the collectors. Because Rose Colored Gaming really does make some cool looking repro carts. So it's not like people would skip out if they wanted to collect it. But hey, I guess it's their business, not mine. But uh, the ROMs are released, and you could get the hacked and then the non-hacked version. And you want the hacked version because it has all of the fixes implemented. But I always like playing unreleased games. It's kind of neat just to see a piece of history that never quite made it. So uh, the link's in the description, and if you have a SNES ROM cart, I hope you check it out. Unfortunately, there's been a report of a few of the retro USB AVS units having issues with the power port. So the power and USB port and back are the one and the same. 
And I guess um, the way it's mounted on the board, people are having it come off. So they posted pictures online on how to drill holes in it and fix it if you want to just reinforce it. There's also going to be a slip-on cover released eventually. And then if yours breaks, you could send it back for a replacement. And it seems like it's only affecting a very low number of the consoles, but it stinks because this is going to cost uh, RetroUSB.com a lot of money, I'm sure. So I hope they're able to get this slip-on cover out to everybody soon and prevent it from happening. But if yours broke, definitely uh, contact them directly. I'll leave a link to the forum as well in case anybody wants to keep up on what's happening with it. And um, there's a few other fixes on there like cover and epoxy and everything else, but... I would do whatever Brian from Retro USB suggested if you have an AVS and you're worried about it happening. GameTech has posted an update on their page that the next batch of high-desk NEF boards were delayed a little bit from the board manufacturer. I guess they were having a few issues with the manufacturer getting them out on time, so it's delayed. The shipment to the U.S. is delayed till mid-October, which means the customers will probably get them early November, which that's my speculation. Jason didn't say that date at all. I'm just guessing based on how long it'll take to get here and how long it'll take him to test and ship. And then they said they were looking into a different contract manufacturer for next time. And, you know, it stinks, but I wouldn't bust Jason's chops about it because it's not his fault. It's the manufacturer's fault. And things like this do happen, but they are coming, and I think he's continuing to leave the pre-orders open, so uh, if you are interested in one, you could still pre-order it. It'll just be quite a while for the next batch, but you'll get it eventually. So uh, Game Tech link is in the description, and um, hopefully all these problems will get kind of ironed out, and there'll be more of a smoother turnaround, which would make it easier for everybody, including them. So uh, wish him luck on that one. There's been a discussion on a few different forums on how the HDMI mods for NES consoles are affecting speedrunning. So before I go any further, I just want to make sure that I'm clear that even hardcore NES fans might not be affected by this at all. It's really only speedrunners where every second really counts for a record. But basically, the problem lies in that HDMI 720p or 1080p signals run at 60 hertz even, and the NES runs at 60.0988 which seems like such a small difference, but after about an hour, that equates to a 7 or 8 second difference. So somebody actually posted a video online that shows just the opening of Super Mario running in a loop, and I have it showing here for people that are watching, and you could actually see that the um, NES that's RGB modded running through the Framemeister is actually a little bit faster than the one from either the AVS or the high-def NES. So it's kind of an interesting thing, and like I said, it won't really affect most people, but if you're a speedrunner or if you're just a nerd like me and is interested in weird stuff like this, I would definitely check out the video and give the forum links a read, because it's kind of interesting. Well, it looks like somebody got an N64 emulator on the Xbox One shop, and then it was pulled pretty much immediately. But I'll leave a link to the story in the description for anybody that's interested. But basically, somebody found a way to uh, sneak stuff onto the Xbox One store. And I heard the, the emulator didn't really work that great, but it was kind of neat. So I just figured I'd want to mention it, and anybody with an Xbox One might get a kick out of that. The Commodore Facebook page just posted a picture of an auto shop that's still using a Commodore 64 25 years later to run a, a drive shaft balancing program. And I love stuff like this, and I love, I just love weird tech stories. Um, I was actually a witness to a few of them over the years through some of the places that I'd worked. And the funny ones that I always remember was there was a server that had been running for about 20 years, and when they finally went to move buildings, they couldn't find it. 
So they're going all over, you know, they finally had to use a toner to trace the wires, and they found out that when they were doing construction, somehow or another, one wall of a closet got walled up, and then the other side of it got walled up, and they actually walled up where the server was. So this server was just running all by itself, still connected into the network for years before people even realized that no one had access to it anymore. And it took a toner to tone the network cable down to find where it was. And they finally had to break open the wall in order to get it. And I always laughed at that one. And another one was a director of a college that we did an install at. Um, saw an Xbox laying around, the original Xbox, and he took it home figuring, hey, you know, I'll bring it home for my kids to play with. You know, no one will miss it for the weekend. It's a long weekend. And he gets halfway home and he gets a call from somebody saying, hey, you know, one of our server projects is down and we think somebody might have stolen it. And, you know, they said, oh, well, what's missing? And they said, well, we hacked an Xbox to run Linux and that's our server and now our whole project is missing. So he had to go back in all embarrassed and explain he didn't steal it. He just thought he was going to use it for his kids, but he didn't even turn it on. So I don't know. I like weird stuff like that. Maybe those were two really stupid, nerdy stories, but both of them made me giggle and hopefully you guys too. Nintendo just announced that not only are they releasing the NES Mini, they're also going to release the Famicom Mini in Japan, which is the same concept, a miniaturized console that looks like the original Famicom that has a bunch of pre-installed games. But in the preview video, I think it sounds like they're using the original ROMs with the original Famicom expansion audio. So hopefully I'll be able to track one down. Um, I know Wes from Second Opinion Games saying he's uh, going to make it one of his missions to get this thing. So I would love to do a side-by-side -side comparison and see if they really take the original Japanese versions with the enhanced music. And it's just, you know, another neat thing to try out this winter. So hopefully within a few months I'll be able to have a true side-by-side -side comparison. And for anybody that wants to watch, I'll have the link to the video in the description so you could hear for yourself. The team that's making a remake of Wonder Boy, A Dragon's Trap just posted a dev diary on YouTube, which is kind of just showing their progress and where they've come uh, from the time they started till now. And it's kind of neat. I enjoyed it. And uh, I really never played the original, so I'm kind of interested to see. I'm going to try to plan it so that when this is released, I'll play the original maybe a few weeks before and then play this right after so I could really experience the differences. But it looks like it's coming along really well, and I'm looking forward to its release. And for the last bit of news, the schedule for the Retro World Expo was just released, and it looks like I'll be doing another panel with the HD Retrovision guys at 3 p.m. on Sunday, October 16th. So it's one of the last panels on the second day of the Expo, so I'm not really sure if it's going to be a big crowd or not. So if you guys don't mind, I was hoping you would be able to post in the comments and let me know if you're attending or not, just to kind of get a basic idea of how many people are going to be there. Because there's a bunch of different options we have. You know, if we're going to get a, a big crowd, I could try to do something that's more interactive with the crowd in front of us. Or if most people are going to be watching on live stream or just watching it on the YouTube feed afterwards, I could kind of tailor it so that it's, you know, it would be fun both for there and the people that are watching after. And also, of course, if you guys have anything specific you want us to talk about, please put that in the comments as well. And I'll start like a thread in the comments so you could just reply to that one directly. And we already have a few things that we wanted to talk about and a few things to discuss, mostly just Steve and I nerding out like we usually do and Nick probably keeping us in line. But if you guys have anything specific you want us to talk about, please definitely comment. 
And uh, like I said, I mean, if nobody shows up or if a million people show up, doesn't really matter. We're still going to make it a lot of fun and just try to tailor it as best as we can for the crowd that we have. So, uh, thanks for posting, and I will be responding to everybody and hopefully come up with something cool to do. And, uh, I don't know, hopefully we'll just make it a fun thing. But, um, yeah, looking forward to seeing anybody there. And now for the Q&A. I actually had a lot of great responses to the cartridge cleaning discussion that I kind of started last week. And there's too much to go over individually, so I just kind of wanted to read through everybody's responses really quick because there was a bunch of really great tips and some cool feedback. So I uh, just wanted to thank everybody for participating and giving me their opinions. Let me just read through them real quick. So uh, Sylvain emailed to let me know that he uses Mr. Clean's Magic Eraser on his. So um, I use these to actually uh, get like magic marker off of games. So when kids used to write their names on cartridges, I would just take one of these and it just looks like a funky sponge. It doesn't seem like it would really do much, but it actually works really well for um, magic marker and stuff like that. So um, I guess he says he uses that on the cartridge contacts as well, but uh, Mr. Clean, Magic Eraser. Um, Collecting Retro feels that Brasso is a bit too abrasive, and he uses a mild polish like Novus 2. So, um, you know, that's a good tip. Maybe if you uh, if cleaning with uh, alcohol and eraser doesn't help and you don't want to go all the way to polish, maybe try Novus 2. I've never used it. I might not even be pronouncing it right, so sorry. Um... Mike Amon says he uses the exact same procedure for all of his games, meaning the alcohol and the rubbing um, and the eraser, but he uses the white side of the eraser instead of the pink because he seems to says it seems to leave less residue, which it does. I found that as well. The pink will leave those shavings, which is why I always go over it again with rubbing alcohol. But I did find that the pink got more of the gunk off, but I guess maybe it depends on each situation. Also, Dougley007 also uses the white side of the eraser. And both he and Flamey666 said that they've not only done that, but uh, polish won't even work for them for some very badly rusted games. They've actually needed to use fine grit sandpaper. So once again, you know, before I go any further, we're now talking about games that won't work at all, that are rusted, that you really want to try to restore. So this is not, do not use sandpaper on your average game. This is just for games that don't work at all. Um, Shin Jopni likes to use Detoxit instead of Brasso because it's a cleaner and not a polish. And he said he just puts a tiny bit on a Q-tip, goes over the contacts with it and lets it dry. So all those are good tips. I hope I didn't talk too fast. I was just trying to go through them as quickly as I could. Otherwise, I could probably talk for a long time about this. But I appreciate all the tips, and I appreciate everybody sending it in. The only two cents I'll kind of add is I do like to have my last step of cleaning the cartridges. No matter what I do before it, whether it's an eraser or Brasso or, or you know, nothing, is just um, rubbing alcohol on a Q-tip and then, you know, one side wet and then the other side dry and make sure your fingers do not touch the contacts after that. And um, I guess maybe, so like uh, if you use the detoxid, it probably uh, evaporates fine and doesn't leave a residue, but I just like to be safe, and as long as you just use a little bit of rubbing alcohol, it will evaporate immediately, and you don't have to worry about it. So maybe that's going a little too far, maybe you don't really need it, but I personally do. So thanks to everybody for the great tips, and hopefully um, I could try to find a way to add that into the page without confusing anybody on that's reading the page. Next up, John D 759 asked, What do you think about retro game reviews? Each time a hidden gem gets publicly reviewed, the price of the retro game increases. It's a dilemma. 
I mean, kind of, but the other choice is to not talk about it at all, and then all those people wouldn't be able to experience it. So, I mean, my best advice for retro games is to buy ROM carts and um, CDRs or mod chips and try them before you buy them. So, you know, if I wouldn't do that for every system, but I love Super Nintendo, so I immediately got a ROM cart for it. I love Nintendo, too, and there was a couple of times where I tried the ROMs for rare games that I was totally ready to buy, and the game stunk. So I'm really glad I was able to try it. And there was the other things happened as well, the the opposite, where I would try a game that, you know, do I really need this? Do I really want to spend 100 bucks on it? And it was awesome, so I was happy to buy it. And, yeah, it was a little more expensive than it probably was a year or two ago, but it kind of happens. But I guess as long as you're, um, you're just smart about it, you try them on a ROM cart before you buy them and decide which one's really important to you, then it's not as bad as it could be. And at least we do have other options these days, but... I mean, I'd rather have people talk about them than not at all. Both Upchucka and Eric Hurley asked if there were ROM sets for the CD systems like PS1, 2, or Sega CD, just like the awesome ROM sets that Smoke Monster did for the EverDrives. And I don't know. I don't think so. I know you could download them individually on some of the ROM sites. And a while back, I mean, maybe five years ago, there was a few torrents out for every letter of Sega CD game. So, you know, all of the A's, all of the B's, etc. And I downloaded a bunch of them, but I think most were MP3s. I don't think they were properly ripped. So there's none that I know of, but if anybody else does, I'd like to find a way to share, but I'm not sure what the rules about that are. Like, uh, are we allowed to post ROM links in the description, or will the YouTube video get taken down? I really don't know how any of that stuff works at all, but um, if anybody has any advice on that, uh, both where to get the, you know, if there are ROM sets, where to get them, and if we're allowed to put links in the YouTube comments, then uh, please, you know, chime in and let me know. Next, Uzmaki82 asked, Do you think a 20-inch PVM from 1990 is really that much better than a 2000s consumer CRT with component? Um, yeah. So, I guess I should preface that by saying, if it's got a million hours on it and it's dying, no, probably not. But, you know, a 20-inch PVM from 1990, if it had the same amount of hours as a 2000s consumer TV you're still talking about, you know, add a zero to the end of that cost. It was probably a three or $400 TV, maybe a little more in the 2000s, and it was probably a three or $4,000 PVM. The quality that went into these was because it was required. So a lot of these were for medical imaging, so you're looking at x-rays and MRIs, CRTs, CRTs? CTs, CAT scans, CRTs. See, I got retro nerd stuff on the brain, but... um. So yeah, I mean, I, as long as it's in good condition, I really do. And I know there's a big debate online on one of the forums about people that prefer the look of, uh, you know, the crappy CRT as opposed to like a really sharp RGB monitor, but that's preference and I wholeheartedly disagree. But at the end of the day, it's really about what kind of experience you want and what your eyes like to look at. It's just like the color palettes on Nintendo. You know, there's no right way to do it. It's whatever you prefer. So... You know, I guess uh, if you're happy with that TV, then go for it. But me personally, definitely RGB monitor. LeeChuck333 asked, Are you able to save MSU1 games on the SD to SNES? I played a bit of a Super Metroid hack and my game didn't save. So in order to save games on the SD to SNES, you have to first save it in the game, of course. And then there's two ways to actually save it to the cart. 
I usually just hold down the reset button until it goes to the SD to SNES menu and that saves it. And if you don't hold it down long enough, it should just send you to the title screen of the game again, which is fine. Then you just hold the reset button down again um, and that'll save your game. But Darkshock himself actually commented that he uses the button press method. So it's LR, select, and X. And if you press those all at the same time after saving, that'll send you back to the SD to SNES menu, which will also save your game. And it sounds like kind of a safer way to do it, so I should probably start doing that as well. But yep, it'll definitely save your game, and I love the Super Metroid ROM fan hacks, so uh, I hope, uh, hope you found a good one. And lastly, Mike Zipf, one of the guys that showed up last Wednesday. What's up, man? Um, he had a cool question that he posted on Facebook that I was hoping for other people's help in the answer to it. He asked, do you know of sort of an Atari 2600 version of something like low-budget Super 8? Something I could plug my Atari's chips in and just have it work. I have two water-damaged 2600s, and it's a sin there's nothing I could do with them. I don't know of anything off the top of my head, but I hope so because that's, you know, that's the perfect use for something like the Super 8. And I've actually been talking to low budget again lately, so hopefully I could mention that to him the next time I talk to him and see if he was planning on anything like that. But definitely don't throw them out yet cuz hopefully we could have something to to use them for. And who knows, maybe in, down the line in the future somebody'll make something like that where you could just take the chips out of your console and stick it into something else and just have a full replacement. But if anybody knows of anything, please post in the comments. Okay, up next I got an in-person interview with Evan Amos, the guy that does all of the console pictures that are all up on Wikipedia and a million other places, and I had a lot of fun. Evan's a cool guy, and I met him through Wes from Second Opinion Games, and I was in Brooklyn for the show, and I figured I would pop by and see if I could do an interview with him, and I had a lot of fun. So uh, hopefully you guys will be interested in what he has to say, and uh, you know, thanks again for watching. Comments and you know, criticism, as always, welcomed in the comments, and I'll see you guys next week. Hey guys, I'm here with Evan Amos, the photographer of all the video game pictures you see on Wikipedia. And uh, who do we have here? Uh, this is Benny. Benny. Yeah. Hi, Benny. Benny's going to be keeping his company during the interview. So, um, I've talked to Evan a bunch of times before on the Second Opinion Games podcast, but I wanted him on here just to kind of tell his story and, and uh, kind of show all the cool stuff he's been doing. And if you happen to hear knocking in the background, we're not ignoring somebody at the front door. There's a construction going on outside, so don't know if you can hear that in the video. But. Yeah, one of the many wonderful things about living in New York City is that there's constant construction. Yeah. Constant noise. You don't have any of that suburbs quiet living here. <laughs> no, no, at least in Stanford, my, uh, it's still a city, but I face the back. I actually face uh, the Game Hunter's apartment, who uh, I'll actually be seeing later tonight. It's kind of funny, but... Um, so yeah, man, so I guess I'd start with how I always start, and how did you get started in this stuff? I got started because I had been visiting, well, I take photos of video games, systems, and hardware, and other stuff, and I make, uh, public domain photos that I put on the internet. High quality, full resolution, all that stuff, completely free public domain stuff. So I all that stuff on. that you see on Wikipedia, so anytime you you know go on Wikipedia and look at a game console, mm -hmm. those are all his pictures, which I made the mistake of accidentally stealing his work for years. Well, it's not stealing <laughs> if it's public domain. Good point. But I just, I was really naive about it. I just assumed like, oh, Nintendo must have uploaded a picture of their consoles up there, and I had no idea it was people that actually did these things. So. Yeah, if you looked at the photos, they could be... They look like stock photography. Mm -hmm. It's all the system or whatever it is on top of a white background. Mm -hmm. No shadow. 
Girl's my style. Yep, and um, so you've done everything from the latest consoles that just came out. Like, do uh, you have the Xbox One S shot on there yet? Yeah, I just took pictures of it. I haven't uploaded it yet. Yeah. All the way back to you, what's the oldest console you have on the there? The first console is the Magnavox Odyssey. And that was the 1977. Like 1974. <laughs> 74, that's right. That's It's 1974, which just tells you how long all this stuff's been going on. Yeah. And then you had like a couple years and you had Pong consoles. And then uh, the Atari 2600 hit about 1977, mm -hmm. 1978. And then that's pretty much like the big wave of like game consoles. It's still uh, it's still crazy to me that a lot of these things still work well. Mm -hmm. I just did the RGB mod on my 2600 last year, and all I did was uh, replace the voltage regulator, and I think I saw one leaky cap, and I happen to have the exact same one just sitting around, so I just replaced that too. So, and it, there, other than that, I mean, it still works pretty well. Yeah. Like your dog showing off, hamming it up for the camera. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it gets face itchies. Um, yeah, but uh, the reason. The way that I got started in all this, crazy. <laughs> the way I got started in all this is that, you know, I love researching things, I love looking up the history of stuff, and I'm a big video game fan. So I was on Wikipedia, and I was just looking around at stuff. I was looking at all the video game articles, all the hardware system articles, and at the time, uh, all the pictures were terrible. Absolutely terrible for all the system pages, for all that stuff. And it was like, I have like a history with photography, I have the equipment, I have lights. Why don't I just take my GameCube or whatever it is that I had with me at the time, just take some pictures of it and I'll put it up on the page. Because the nice thing about Wikipedia is that if you see something that you want to do, you can do it. Hmm. You don't have to get approved to be uh, somebody that contributes. You can just start, um, yeah, sign up and start contributing. You don't have to worry just, about it. Just go balls so. to the wall. Um, I'm very lucky in the fact that, you know, Photography is a completely different bag than like editing like text because if you want to edit text Then you can get into wars pretty easily with other people like oh I don't agree with this and you go back and forth But right. if you just go into an uh, article and you add photos or you replace Obviously bad photos with obviously good photos. That's pretty much clear sailing. Gotcha. So I never had like the kind of uh, hurdles that a lot of people had when they start Wikipedia work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I started doing this thing where I just, you know, take pictures of these consoles and like it hit like a switch where it was like, oh man, like how many more of these can I do? Because it's essentially you build up a list. It's like, oh, here's all the console pages. I took pictures of three of them and there's like 70 more. How many more can I get? So then you start doing it and then it's like, it becomes a thing. And it's the same thing with my website. Well, you know, I'll put up a Super Nintendo and a Genesis page, and you know, maybe that's it. Maybe let's go from there. I think I have like 200 pages now or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I know I know the roller coaster feeling of getting into that, and then it's, it's it's fun, you know. Yeah, because but, once you make it something where it's like, how far can I go? How much can I do? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, like, you know, I never had like a good console collection. I just had what I had growing up, but I never played Sega consoles. I never played older stuff, you know what I mean? So hmm. you only have what you have, and then it's like, well, if I want to take pictures of the Sega Genesis or the Dreamcast or the Saturn, like I have to go get those. And the way that I handled it at first, because I didn't really put any money into it, mm -hmm. is I would look for people who had that stuff. 
You know, just borrowed to... from friends and stuff at first. And... It wasn't a lot of people. It was pretty much three main people that I did this with. Um, one was like an eBay seller out in Long Island. Mm -hmm. Like, I just went to his... Like, this is all Craigslist stuff. Like, oh, you talk... You put something out there. Can anyone let me come to their house and take photos of their video game stuff? And you get, like, a bunch of weird replies, but you get one. I was going to say, you get, I imagine that's inviting a bunch of very weird replies. So. Well, you get one, and then it's like, okay, this guy seems cool. He's willing to do it. And then, like, I put all my stuff in a little trolley cart, and then I take a train out to Long Island, and then I go to his house. And, you know, he's just, like, a guy who's selling eBay stuff out of his house, and he has, like, just tons of stuff. That's cool. And, like, from that one, I was able to get a lot of things. And then once you have like that big bump, it's like, wow, this is really doable. I can get a lot more if I just really try. And so, you know, next is like the really rare stuff. And then I found um, another collector in the city. He worked at, I can't remember the name of the place, but he worked at like a mobile game place. Mm -hmm. And he was like the owner of it. And he had all of his game systems at his work. There was a giant wall, like so tall that was just full of like very old consoles and i'm talking about primo rare stuff hmm. so i found him and then it was the same thing i just got my stuff in a trolley i went to his work i set up for two days straight wow non-stop photographing wow and so just by that i was able to get a ton of stuff and then you get maybe like one or two more people and get some odds and ends there and so like i had a very good collection of photographs at this point pretty much semi-complete maybe like an 80 percent mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you know the project hit a big lull for a long time because you can't really go to a collector for like one thing right yeah. especially if you're taking like a whole bunch of equipment with you without a car it becomes like a big thing right right so like i would over the time i would buy random things mm -hmm. if i needed to um but it's, so what's it gets the time very expensive. This, then? What, what's the year that you took like that first picture, and then what's the you know when did the lull hit? So you were able to go out to Long Island. You went to some of the the, mm -hmm. the guy's store. How long ago was that? Um, it was a very on and off project at first. I think this project started four or five years ago at this point. Okay. And then I did a lot in the first year, and then it was like a lull, and then I would you know come back to it, and then I would put out feelers again, and that's when I would get something like the Craigslist thing. Right. Or the guy um, who had this collection in Manhattan. And then you do the big things and then you cool down again. And is that when you decided, hey, let's do a Kickstarter then and see where else I can go? Yeah, so it was another big thing. I can't really do collectors anymore. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the pictures that I had taken in the beginning I want to retake because they weren't taken as well because I got a lot better photography as time goes on mm -hmm. you know and you look back at the early pictures and it's like oh these could be so much better you get better equipment you get better techniques <laughs> it's the same with the pages on my website i've redone mm -hmm. all the original pages you know it's just you could always it's always feel good to to grow and improve even on the things mm -hmm. you've already done so but yeah 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 so you have, like i'm in this weird position where i can't really go to the collector's thing again because a lot of it is you know retakes or random things and it's a lot easier to have stuff on hand mm -hmm. that way i can you know take it apart i can do clean it really well mm. because it's you can't really clean stuff if you're visiting someplace right right because a lot of times you have to take things apart you have to dip it in soap and water and scrub it out and then yeah i don't know if you've seen the video on my site but all the time when i take consoles apart like i just took a genesis apart yesterday mm. took the top off and so i'm just nasty. sitting there with the, with the yeah. brush and then leave it out in the sun to dry and it just 
you know, I could, knowing that I've done this a million times, I'm very confident when I do it because it always makes it look better. But I can only imagine being a collector and seeing some random guy that, you know, that I found yeah. on Craigslist come in and start well, scrubbing one of them. It's not even that. It's just there's no time. Like, I yeah. when I was doing these things where I'd go to someone's place, like, it would be pretty much the second I get there, you know, set up, clean one console as much as I could, like, just wipe it, mm -hmm. set it, take all the photos you can, move to the next thing. So how long does it take you to, like, if, uh, if I had a new console, so the, the new PlayStation Slim comes out and mm -hmm. you get it, you know, from the time you get the box to the time you're done, not editing, but just taking the pictures, how long does that usually take to get all your shots? Uh, well, all the pictures are done in phases. Mm -hmm. um, there's the picture, the main picture, which is like the console and the controller together. Mm -hmm. And then that one takes a little bit while because sometimes you have to do composite photos where you take like pictures of the console itself and then you take pictures of the controller by itself and oh, then you, you have to block it light because like if it has reflective surfaces like it can be a lot of a pain to make sure that it looks right right especially like buttons buttons are just like domes that reflect all of the lighting and sometimes you can't see like the letter on the button like oh. the a b x y or something like that so like you have to do like all these tricks and you make a composite photo and that's it that takes a while sometimes Yes, yeah, so I, I imagine taking that the actual when you say the composite photo, that's all post processing, right? After you've actually taken Yeah. So, so when you're actually taking a picture of the console, it's about like twenty minutes just for the pictures, and then it's probably like an hour, if not more, for the actual Photoshop work getting it all finished. It all depends. Um some consoles are very easy to photograph, some mm -hmm. consoles are extremely difficult. All of the stuff that's been part of this current generation mm -hmm. have been super difficult to photograph. Like the PS4. Just shiny? It's, it's, it's the shininess, it's the angles, it's like mm -hmm. the Xbox One, the original Xbox One has just nothing but giant like mirror surface sides. So you kind of have to shoot each side independently and then you put them together in post. Mm. And what do you, do you use Photoshop for that? Or do you use, yeah, uh, I use okay. um, Photoshop CS5. Gotcha. I'm always curious because a lot of people I know that don't do it for a living start have completely switched over to GIMP just because mm -hmm. it's free. But um, everybody I know that actually does it for a living absolutely always still uses Photoshop. There has not been anything to overtake it at all. So. I started using Photoshop back in high school with like Photoshop five or four, whatever it was. This was like through school, and like I've I've been Photoshop ever since. Yeah, I remember downloading it from an AOL chat room where you can get illegal software and that just shows how old I am in AOL chat room but yeah I've been using it ever since and I uh, I mean I pay for it now I do the monthly fee with that and um premiere. yeah I you're know. paying for something that you don't even get a cube yeah I have a um but there's no there's no, the reason I did it this way it's because I wasn't sure how deep I was going to go into using either one of those programs mm -hmm. and now when I do the weekly roundup instead of you know the first couple were like seven eight hours of editing because i didn't know what i'm doing i'm trying to use windows movie maker and as soon as i learned premiere actually Corey from my life in gaming and kenji the guy who did my opening um the guy who got you the monitor actually okay. um he he they both give me a lot of tips that, uh and i don't think i could live without it at this point i mean i might be able if i ever got a mac to go to final cut but now i just any kind of tool that makes your life that much easier but i wanted to try it first so yeah i'm sure i'll end up buying both of those at some point but yeah i have I, it's harder to do it now because the way that they switched the Creative Cloud thing, but um, I have a legitimate copy of Photoshop that was a student edition. That I had someone who was like a teacher friend and I got it for like 200 bucks. Oh. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's Photoshop only... is a program that costs like seven, $800. Right. If you buy it full... Same thing with, uh, with Pro Tools. We may have allegedly used a student teacher edition to record our first album. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a wild price difference for all that stuff. So, but, huh, very cool. So, when you're, um, so I, I see a lot of the other stuff you do. I think you, uh, I was on your Twitter feed a while back and you took a picture of a really good looking donut or something and you yeah. just threw it in your thing. I just so took pictures just... of donuts today. I bought a dozen, uh, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts for six ninety nine. They have a sale. So you just get so good at it that sometimes if you have something that you think's neat, you just throw it in your little booth and take a picture of it, do a quick composite. And... Well, when I first started, I was a photographer who had taken just portrait stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like I'm just a hobby level guy, and you know I got really interested into photography because I worked at a photo lab. Okay. And it was just kind of like, oh, like I work in a photo lab, I can develop stuff. You know, it's pretty easy. And then I found like an old SLR camera, like mm -hmm. a film camera. Yep. Um, and I just wanted to learn as much as I could about it, so I got a whole bunch of books from the library, I read all about photography, and then I pretty much forced all of my friends to go do, like, photo sessions. Like, somewhere, like, oh, let's go out to the woods, let's go out somewhere, gotcha. let's go sit out for, like, an hour or two, and I'll just take a bunch of photos. And I did that for a long time, and then I stopped. Um, when I kind of moved to the city, because it was, became harder to do that. Where were you originally from? I'm from Missouri. That's right, tornado country. We were talking about that on the, the other podcast. So um, what brought you from there to here then? Was it school or was it just, you know, uh, just life? relationship. Yeah. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So, okay. Well, so wait, how old were you then when you moved here? Or how long ago, I guess? Uh, I was like 26. Oh, okay. So you were just... When you started the project, were you still in Missouri, or were you here when you started? No, since I've been in New York, I've started the project here. Gotcha. Right, it would have been a lot easier to start the project in Missouri, because I would have a lot more room. But a lot less access to these consoles, too, I'm imagining. Mm -hmm. So, Really? I don't know. Oh, yeah, good point. I mean, you, you can find collectors anywhere. There's collectors that everyone knows, but there's always hidden collectors. Right, and you know, any time you're near a big city, there's always more of a pool of places to, mm -hmm. to have access to, but New York City is, what, like 7 million people here or yeah, something? Yeah, but I would have rather have lived in Missouri and found like someone who maybe lived even like two hours away, but I could drive there. Good point. That would have been like a godsend. Yes. Yes. And plus, actually, one of the places that I um, got a lot of work with was Video Games New York. Like, I went in and I met the owner. Um, he's an Italian guy. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah? But I, I told him about the project I was doing, and I think what helped too is like I think that there was photos in the store of pictures that I had taken. Oh, okay. What's crazy is that I can go a lot of places and I'll see my photos there. Like I can go to grocery stores and I can see my photos of like vegetables, like really? being used in certain. Yeah, like my, I took photos huh. of like a random CSA that our friends had gotten and they let us have it. it just a whole bunch of vegetables in it. And like I took pictures of collard greens and um, something else. Uh, you put those up on Wikipedia? Just... Yeah, I just put them on Wikipedia because you know, like I'm, when I'm in the mode and I have this whole studio set up, like you pretty much just throw items on there and you take the photos. Hmm. So I took all these photos of different fruits and vegetables, and then I just uploaded them to Wikipedia, and it's like it goes into the collard green page on Wikipedia. And then somewhere down the line, like someone who is putting together um, a supermarket circular. Google searches for collard greens, and then they find that, and then they use it for the circular, and then I guess it ends up in a photo bank mm -hmm. that they use for future circulars. 
So I get pictures are all over the place. That is hysterical. Yeah, so I can go into stores, I can go random websites all the time. Um, YouTubers, television, magazines. Television? Where have you been on TV? Uh, the or... Colbert Report. Um, really? Yeah. That is hysterical. What picture was on the Colbert Report? It's always the weird stuff. It'll be like freeze-dried ice cream. Or um, <laughs> I think it was the Atari 400 at one point. Or oh. Atari 600XL. Something, something. That is awesome. Jeez. But it's... The thing is, the one of the reasons I did the Kickstarter too is I'm doing all this work and I'm just doing it in the idea of like, oh, I'll make Wikipedia pages better. Right. And between that break and this term of or the start of me doing the Kickstarter, I just noticed that everything was blowing up on the internet in terms of like the reach of the pictures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because what happens is, if you put something on a Wikipedia page, like photo media wise, mm -hmm. it almost becomes the default picture for that because it ties so heavily into Google image searches. Right. So like if I take a picture of the NES and I put it on the NES page, Google search algorithm will pretty much tag that as the NES picture and if you Google image search NES, my picture's always like the first ones. Hmm. And so you just do that for a wide range of things. Collard greens, freeze-dried ice cream, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, my pictures are free. They're high resolution. They're high quality. Good quality pictures, so, yeah. So, you know, all of, it's like a trifecta of anyone who's reusing stuff for media. Like if you put together videos, if you're putting together websites, you pretty much, like, I'm the only game in town in terms of that know, is very cool it, it i never even thought about it this way this is just kind of how it happened and you know so mm. when i kind of realized like how important it is in that sense because it's not me just taking photos for wikipedia it's me basically taking photos of this thing for really future historical preservation yeah because if i take photos of stuff and it you know it stays on a media archive and it becomes like the de facto picture, and it's a good quality, blah, blah. That picture will last forever. That picture will last forever, and... Longer than the console will, so... Yeah, and a lot of these things don't have any alternatives. Mm. It's not like, oh, they were using something else before my picture came along. It was like there a lot of nothing. these... Yeah. Because before I met you, I had always wondered how, like, I'd go and... I would always use, a, you know, whatever the first pick in the search was, so probably a lot of yours at first, just to, to put on the top of the page. So mm -hmm. for Super Nintendo, just go to Wikipedia, Super Nintendo. And there were a lot of, of consoles that didn't really have good quality pictures. And then, you know, a year would go by, I'd go, uh, go back to redo the page and mm -hmm. kind of fix everything and add what I've learned. And I'd re-Google a picture and a nice new fresh one would pop up. And I never knew it was most likely you just getting a console yeah. in, doing that and putting the picture up. So that's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, I'm one guy, and I pretty much did the entire video game console space. Jeez. Well, there's not really. Well, the thing is, that there's not really many people doing this. Hmm. Um, a lot of it is because if you do these pictures, you have to give them away for free. And there's not really a lot of people who are kind of like in the good photography level mm -hmm. who are willing to give away their stuff for free like that. Yeah, it's you know, it's always an interesting balance of you know preserving something that you're passionate about and time spent so yeah now well, have you thought of doing like a patreon or something for people or maybe um one of the problems is it's like everyone sees my work everyone knows my work but they don't know me yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I, I am I'm, I'm pretty much invisible when it comes to like that stuff, just because of the way attribution works and, and I think the way that people assume my stuff are stock images. Yeah, and when your Kickstarter came out, I think that was a big misconception. I don't think people really understood what it was. I actually think um, the forum trolls got you the greatest press ever, to be honest with you, because you launched the Kickstarter and all those guys that love to hate things online go, oh, no, what's this asshole just want money to buy game consoles for? And it's always, you know, anytime somebody says, oh, you know, look at this nice thing, you'll get a hundred clicks on it. But somebody says something bad, you'll get a thousand. And all these people are looking going, wait, no, <laughs> that's not what he's asking for at all. He wants to archive all these things. He doesn't even need working versions. He just needs... Yeah. So I think that actually kind of what propelled a lot of that Kickstarter was, you know, people not understanding and then learning about what you did. That's certainly how I learned, uh, found out about who you were and, and kind of all that stuff, but... Kind of funny. How I didn't works. see much of a negative thing. I pretty much saw just the positive side where people understood what the project is because it's a very much, it's a very high value project, mm -hmm. and it's just like a good feelings. You know, I'm doing this just because I really love the idea of it. Yeah. You know? Well, I um, a lot of the technical sites have a lot of people that love to hate on things. So mm -hmm. if you're in there looking for mods and stuff... I, I, I still see some of that because it's more like, you know, people would be like, oh, why are we giving him money? Like, give me money and I'll take pictures of stuff. And it's like, no, you won't. Not only no, you won't, it won't look like that. Not even close. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's kind of the thing. But, hey, so what's your, what's next on the horizon? And, like, are, do you just, like, the... I, you just got the new Xbox One S. Did you just buy that with your own money, take a picture, and now you play on it? Or, or do you have sponsors that will come in? Do you have people offering to send you stuff? Um, like, it's my own money, or it's a combination of things like, oh, like, this will be a Christmas present, or something like that. So, Christmas gotcha. and birthdays are pretty much high times for getting uh, new <laughs> game consoles. As sad as that is as a grown adult, but it's true, yeah. because it's like, you know, oh, like, what do you want for Christmas, or what do you want for your birthday, something like that. And it's like, you ask people, it's like, will you guys give me this? Yeah, it's so hard as an adult. To, you know, my wife always says, well, what do you want for your birthday? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean nothing? Like, I'm a grown-ass man. If I wanted something, I would have bought it. How about we go get drunk and laugh at things? Like, mm -hmm. it's, I can't buy that. So, yeah. it's, but that makes sense. It's, that's actually pretty cool. But I, you know, as much, like, I can put my own money into things, but the problem with the project is that there's so much. And it's so easy to just so blink easy. an eye and drop a grand, you know, without even yeah. knowing what you just did, and it's just... To give you an example, so this Christmas, they're doing a complete console refresh. We're getting, we got the Xbox One S, mm -hmm. we got the PS4 Slim, right, and we got the uh, Pro. PS4 Pro. PS4 Pro. Yeah, three consoles, full price consoles. You yeah. can't get, like, normally, like, older stuff, sometimes you can get a deal on it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, new stuff, you pretty much have to buy full price. And you get the Nest Mini. Yeah. <laughs> so this is a $1,400 Christmas. Or... Christmas season, whatever. Yeah. If I'm pretty much trying to buy all these things, and it, the thing is, like, I have multiple versions of consoles. I only play on one console. If I get stuff, it's really just to take photos. Mm. Like anytime, like I bought the new 3DS X or the new 3DS. Okay. The smaller one that they've only released sparingly in America. Right. Yeah. And that's like 160 bucks, and I don't need another 3DS, but I'm buying that to take photos of it. That's all the. All I'm getting out of it. Have you reached out to Nintendo and Sega and Microsoft um, at all? None of them there. I've never had any kind of uh, huh. back and forth with any of those people. You know, it, on, on the one hand... Uh, they can use Nintendo's... my photos in their advertisements. Yeah. 
But that's uh, I don't know. It's with Nintendo. It's strange. But Nintendo's weird. When when you're doing something like taking pictures, it's almost mm. free. I mean, it is free promotion for them. Yeah. So it's not like with the guy who made AM2R. For Nintendo to do anything other than what they did, it would kind of be slapping themselves in the face, admitting that one dude made a better game than they have, or a better Metro game than they have in ten years. But you know, to to support somebody like you might actually be beneficial to everybody. I don't know. I don't really know anybody at Nintendo, but I know a guy that knows a guy. So maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll see. The thing but... is, I can meet very passionate individuals, and people mm-hmm. like have been more than generous. Like the Kickstarter was funded on that generosity. And so, like, when I usually meet individuals who get the project, like, you have been, like, pretty generous in terms of, like, just sending me stuff to photograph or whatever. Yeah. Anything I can, obviously. So, yeah, so it's it's always individuals who get the project are always very generous and very helpful. But the problem when you're dealing with a corporation is it's a big machine. So it's not really like, oh, some guy sees what you're doing and he can send you some stuff. Right. It's They have to go through channels. I can understand why. I wonder if you could cut a deal with a game store or something to, you know, when the like the new PS4 comes out, have them send it to you, you photograph it, and then just send it back to them or something. Well, there is that way, but honestly, the easiest way is just to own stuff. Yeah, because as what I found on the website, there was a lot of times my friend uh, Justin, who used to live very close to me, but now he lives down in Georgia. He's uh, the Goodwill hunter, the guy that goes to the Goodwills and finds everything. He found me a ton of stuff, and then he let me borrow a ton of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I kept him for a couple of months, did a bunch of testing, did the page, sent it back. And sure enough, three months later, somebody said, oh, well, now there's an S-Video mod, not just a composite. Hey, Justin, can you send me your Atari back? Like, you know, so just having everything at, you know, on hand when you need it is actually really handy for mm-hmm. a lot of reasons. So I understand that part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For example, like I'm doing stuff for the Xbox 360 right now. Mm-hmm. And... It's a lot of stuff, and it's always best to photograph it all in one go because you can make everything very consistent. Gotcha. So I saw usually like the you composite up, cables you just uploaded. Right? Yeah. So usually you build up a collection and you do it all in one go. Whereas, like you know, um, sometimes you get things that are borrowed or something like that. You have to kind of really focus on that, and sometimes it doesn't work as well because you know you want to wait to take all these photos together as a set. Right. Because I always try to strive for consistency and quality, hmm. and it's really hard to maintain that. So it's you have your own, like, especially at the level that you have it too. Yeah. Because this isn't, you know, I got to put a link. Don't you have um, a link to where one one place that you can see all your console photos? Don't you have a site for that, or just a mm-hmm. link to the actual part of the Wikipedia that has them? I got to put that for anybody that hasn't seen yeah. them. You got to check out the link and check out the quality and the detail in a yeah. lot of these just, pictures. Just um, Google Evan Amos. Mm-hmm. And like I'm the whole first page of results, and you'll be able to go right to my uh, gallery. The gallery, right? That's because right. That's when I have bookmark. Yeah, because what I have is like everything is uploaded to uh, Wikimedia, mm-hmm. which is like the site for media for the Wikipedia uh, umbrella, whatever. Mm-hmm. And what I like about doing that, as opposed to a personal site at the moment, is that you know I don't have to pay hosting. I don't have to worry about anything. And that'll be there for a long time. It'll yeah. outlive us. So. Yeah, it'll be there for a long time. And whenever someone does or does Google searches, it's going to that stuff anyway. Right. Yeah, that's a good. It goes idea. right to that. So you know, and you can download the high resolution. I can make files as big as I want to. I don't have to worry about anything. Um, it, the site itself is very difficult to 
work with in terms of formatting and all that, but it has a lot of pluses at yeah. the moment. Yeah, the free hosting of high-resolution pictures mm -hmm. and the uh, the high-ranking in the Google results, that alone is Yeah, that, we're talking about, like, go. gigs and gigs of stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Very cool. So what's next on the horizon? Just whenever consoles come out, you'll be photographing and any yeah. other... Um, were you doing shots of things where... Um, I, I'm using the wrong photography term, so everybody's going to make fun of me, but when you take it apart and then you do the composite shot where it shows all the different levels of Yeah, the blow things. apart. Yeah. Right, blow apart, right. So uh, you've done a few of those I've seen, right? I've done some of those. Um, those are just fancier, kind of show-off photos. You did a controller too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the problem with the project, at least right now, is that there's so much work to do, and yeah. I'm constant. Like, I have work for years, essentially. I know the feeling. <laughs> because, you know, I have all these consoles, a lot of consoles need their photos retaken, a lot of consoles need the expanded stuff. So what I do is I take pictures of the, the main console shot, which is the console and the controller, but I also do spin around shots of the console itself. I open it up, I take a spin around shots set of that. I take pictures of the motherboard itself. I take uh, pictures of the controller, accessories, so like a lot of the like this Xbox 361 that I'm doing right now, it's a nightmare because if you think about like all the stuff and all the different models for the Xbox 360, there's five different models if you count the arcade and the elite as separate things. There's two revisions, uh, multiple controller things, yeah, multiple accessories. That's making my head spin just thinking about all this stuff. <laughs> so it's a it's a huge amount of work, and so it's really just me constantly chipping away at that. And what's nice, at least about this, is that I can take these photos and then I can trickle that content out constantly. Right. So it's not like you have to wait years and years for something to be released. It's, right. It's it's all happening right now. It's but it's just a very constant slow go. That is a problem that I run into all the time, is I'll get three quarters of the way through the page and I'm waiting on a component, something will break, waiting on something to finish, and then it just gets lost for three months before I get to finish it. I can't just put out a half-finished page, whereas, you know, if you have a new console that came out and you have a great front shot, I imagine you could upload that tonight and then do the rest tomorrow, the rest of the next day. Yeah. So that, that is an advantage of being able to trickle it out. Well, there's like different setups. Um... Like, I have priority lists. The console with the controller shot is the highest priority. Mm -hmm. The next highest priority is the console spin around. Mm -hmm. Just because, you know, one of the most important things for me is just being able to see the console itself or seeing it the back of the console. I was just going to say, there are so many times I've tried to Google the back of a console mm -hmm. just when I'm planning a mod, when I want to see something, and it is so hard. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, what's the back of an MK2000 Master System look like? Good luck. You know, yeah. it doesn't have the RF adapter, so you have to plan for a different port. I mean, it's, you know, it's rough. So, yeah, that's that's important. I'm glad you're, I'm really glad that you've done that, because that's a big help to people. Yeah, well, a lot of this is just how I like things. Because hmm. I'm sure that's how your site is. It's like, this is how I think it should be done, and I'm just going to do it this way. Yeah, I mean, that's, in, in the number one thing in the fact is, you know, uh, why... Why do you do mods this way? It's because it works for me. If you have a better way, let me know. I will always do whatever everybody thinks is the best, but what's on there is what's worked great for me in the past. So, mm -hmm. hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. So, um, 
I guess before we go, can I give everybody like a little video of uh, your little studio thing here? Yeah, pick it up, walking around. All right, I'll give uh, I'll give everybody a tour. But um, thank you very much for doing the interview, and uh, this is cool. It's good to to sit down again. It's the first time we've met in person. We've met oh, usually yeah. over Skype, so it's always fun. But uh, I'll see you guys next week, and I'll do a, a quick, uh, just a very quick run around of the studio.